Thank you to the Halbert family. Such a joy to be with you this evening. Merry Christmas. Thank you. My name is Ryan. I am uh, one of the pastors here at City Church. And as I said, such a, a gift uh, to be able to worship together with you and to see so many uh, faces, to be able to welcome some of you back uh, to City Church after uh, perhaps a little while away um, because of travels or school or whatever that might be, and also to welcome to you, welcome so many uh, family and friends that I know are here um, visiting and in town for um, just this Christmas season. We want you to just know how grateful we are that you're here with us. Um, if you're a family member or a friend from out of town, just know uh, we are so thankful you'd be with your family uh, this evening, and we love your family. Uh, whoever you're with, we love them, and we're glad that you um, are with us uh, this evening. I also want to just say to all of uh, the moms and dads that are um, just precariously sitting on the edge of their seat praying that nothing disastrous happens, um, uh, you're fine. Your kids are fine. They can squirm. They can be loud. Um, just, just be at peace and at rest. I want you to um, be able to just enjoy uh, our time together. Uh, so don't, don't worry about that. If, uh, however, mom or dad, you need a break, you just need to leave them in here, you can go out to the cafe <laughs> and uh, the sermon is being broadcast out there. Or if you need a little rest time, you can go out to either side um, and uh, enjoy the rest of our time together. You know, as I think about Christmas and uh, prepared for this service, uh, one of four services, um, you know, I love the sentimentality and, the, and really the simplicity um, of Christmas. And if you can say those two words really fast together over and over again, you get a gold star. But um, just the simplicity of this season, and I know there can be a lot of busyness and there's a lot of things that can kind of pull us in many different directions, but um, it really is a special time. I mean, if you think about this, what other time in our uh, kind of calendar year has its own uh, music uh, dedicated just to those few weeks or months. And Christmas is the only time where we have just a set of songs that um, we, you know, somewhat feel like, okay, this is when we can sing these songs. Or um, so often in our homes, uh, part of our decorative centerpieces so often includes a tree. You know, not some technologically advanced item or something major, but a, literally a tree that you went and cut down in the woods or at some farm or something like that. So simple. We call back old recipes, right? We don't aren't always looking. I know some of us tomorrow are going to venture out a little bit, but for the most part, we love those old recipes. I know a few of the recipes that I will use tomorrow are so stained, I've had to rewrite them down and print it and kind of put them on new paper because they are so old and have been passed down. And in this season, we do celebrate the simple things. And perhaps one of the reasons that we do that, maybe even unbeknownst to our own hearts and minds, is that Jesus came to us in the most simple of forms. He came in the form of an infant child. As Pastor Kyle and Pastor Matt alluded to as our songs that we sang so clearly teach us, he did not come as a king or a warrior as so many sort of expected the Messiah to come, but he came in the humility of a child. And it's not wrong, obviously, that we focus our attention on that humility, on, on the infancy and sort of the simplicity of Christ. But I do think sometimes in our desires to do that and in how we celebrate Christmas, we can sometimes forget the power of Christ. You know, we are very much like the great theologian Ricky Bobby. We love our eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. But we need to remember the bigness of Christ. We need to remember the power of Christ, the sovereignty of Jesus. Isaiah 55, 
Verses 8 and 9, some familiar text that many of us will recall, teaches us of the bigness of God and of how big and how other he is from us, how different that he is from us as his creation. The prophet says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is teaching us with those passages of his infinite, his, his bigness, his power, in contrasting for us our smallness and the simplicity and, and the, the finiteness of our lives and minds. He is so different than us. As one author explains, that passage of Scripture is often used when we can't understand God, when it seems he is a little bit confounding to us. When something happens in our life and maybe there's a challenge or a pain and circumstances are hard, we refer to that verse and we say, God's ways are higher than our ways. Don't we, don't we use that as a default of some way to sort of help ourselves feel better? And again, it's comforting. God's word should be a comfort to us. But if you look at the context of that passage, of that, those few verses, before it and after it, God is speaking of his mercy, his love, his long-suffering things that we don't do very well. What he's saying through that text is, you would not be merciful. You would be judgmental. You would condemn. You would hate. You would kill. This is how we would operate in so many of the things that God deals with. But his ways are not like our ways. He is merciful. He is big and all-powerful. And Jesus came, the God of the universe came yet in the smallest and the simplistic, most simplistic way. Jesus is high above all. All of Scripture testifies to the bigness of Jesus. Not physically, but to his power. I, don't, I won't, for time's sake, read all of these passages, but on your screen, I'll just highlight a few of the key words from these texts. In John chapter 1, the gospel writer says that, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. As he's introducing Jesus, he describes his bigness and that everything is for him. Colossians 1, Paul sort of follows along with the same idea. All things were created through him and for him. Everything that we see on the planet was created by Jesus, for Jesus, to bring Jesus more glory, including you and I. That's how big he is. Later he says, he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Mark 4, Jesus interacting with the disciples, and as they deal with this, they ask themselves the question, who is this that the wind and the seas obey him? He's sovereign over creation. The psalmist describes the Lord, the ends of the earth are your possession. You own everything. Ephesians 1, Paul again describes the immeasurable greatness of his power. And later in Ephesians, in chapter 3, he describes Jesus and he uses the phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Jesus is so big that his ways and his, who he is, his nature, all of it, it's unsearchable. The riches that can be found in Christ are unsearchable. This is why, by the way, we can read our Bibles over and over and over again, and every time we read it, we can find a new jewel to hang our life upon, to anchor our lives to. It never gets old, because Jesus is that big. Revelation, at the end of this book, says, Jesus of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the holder of all time. Jesus is high above all. 
When we come to Christmas and we think of the infant Christ, the Messiah lying in a manger, we can forget that that Jesus who lied in that manger was the sovereign over the universe. It's hard for our brains to comprehend. I can just share with you, mine is too small. I can't figure it out. How God himself could inhabit a manger and what must he have been thinking as he was reliant in his humility on Mary to care for him. What an amazing picture. Jesus tells us that he has been all of these things, by the way, for all time in John chapter 17. John 17 is Jesus' high priestly prayer. It is, just precedes him returning to the Father. And he says to the Father in prayer, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. See, sometimes we begin to think of Jesus as his glory beginning or his ministry beginning or his power beginning when he came as the Messiah. But here Jesus testifies and he tells us that his glory and his power is eternal. It was before all time, before the world existed, before he created all the things that he created to bring more glory to himself. Jesus had that much power and was glorified. And so he tells, he asks the Father, let me return to the glory that I had before We even created the world, the God of the universe. All these verses are about that Jesus, that big, powerful, sovereign Lord is the one that we celebrate at Christmas. There's something peculiar about this. As we think about that, the magnitude of Christ, this God so majestic and powerful, it's hard for us to comprehend him, right? We can't, as I just described, our finite minds struggle to understand who Jesus is, struggle to understand who God is. By the way, so much wrestling throughout human history across all times and spaces is trying to understand God. In our minds, we have a hard time doing that. My guess is that if that is true of you like it is sometimes me, we also have a hard time comprehending how we can approach this Jesus. How can we come to God? And even more than that, how amazing or perhaps impossible must it be that God would come to us? We know our state. I know the nature of my own heart. I know how fickle I am. I know how unholy I so often am. I know all of those things about me. And yet, and because of that, the idea that God would come for me To come to pursue me amazes me. This is the question of God's big plan for us. Well, at Christmas, we are reminded of God's big plan, his purpose for us. As was read in our Advent reading from Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sent forth his son in his perfect and the exact timing that he intended to do that so that we could be received and be adopted into God's family. Yes, Jesus is high above all, but Jesus came low to receive us. This is the message of Christmas and the amazing thing about Christmas, that God would do that at all. Have you ever considered 
Why? Why did God have to come? Why was it necessary? Was it, was it necessary? It was necessary, and God said so because he wanted to bring glory to himself as he redeemed a people to himself, as he displayed his love for you and for me. We see this picture explained more fully as Paul writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, picking up in verse 5. This is what Paul instructs the church to do. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And here is who Jesus is. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This sovereign Lord of all, sovereign over the universe, the one who all kings and authorities and powers will one day bow their knee to, humbled himself to come and be like us so that we might be able to comprehend who Jesus is, so that we might be able to understand the love that God has for us. Jesus, in all of his exalted power and strength, came low and humbled himself. And so what Christmas teaches us is that we can approach Jesus with confident reverence. So when you ask yourself that question, how is it possible that God could come for me or that I might be able to approach God, that I could have a relationship with God, that I could interact and communicate with God? It's because of the humility of Christ that he came in that form of an infant, to humble himself ultimately to death, even death on a cross. And that teaches us that we can come to Jesus with confident reverence. Now some of us, this is an old phrase, but I remember at some point, saw it on a t-shirt or somewhere, maybe it's one of those bumper stickers, it was really bad, but I think it said, Jesus is my dude. All right, we need to be a little more reverent than that, all right? We need to be able to, we, we, we can approach Jesus, but with a confident reverence, reverence there. But on the other side of that equation, and this is what I find most people struggle with in the conversations that I have with you and with people in our community and interacting, most of us think and are worried, is it possible that I can even come to Jesus? Can he see me? Am I allowed to approach him? He's so holy. Is it, is it possible that I can have a relationship with him? Well, in the third chapter of his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul describes this mystery of the gospel, this mystery that we see on display at Christmas, that God would come to his people. And Paul, Paul is in awe of the message that he has just preached. He's in awe that he's been given a ministry to even proclaim the gospel to the world. And after describing this, this is a prayer that Paul offers, his desire for the church, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul's prayer for you, his prayer for the church, is that we might be able to comprehend, to understand as we come to Christmas 
and we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, that it might help our minds to realize how much God loves you. The height and the depth, the length and the breadth of God's love for you. And if we would know that love, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20, by the way, Paul continues, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power that works within us. This is Paul saying that it's possible because God makes it possible. See, God didn't just come. He didn't just come as an infant child to then live a sinless life, to lay down his life on the cross and three days later to take his life up again. He came so that he could have relationship with you and with me. He came for us. See, it's hard sometimes to comprehend the bigness and the power of God. Graydon, can I have that model real quick? Thank you, buddy. I've been to New York a couple times, and this is a model of the Empire State Building. Now, I've stood at the base of the Empire State Building before, and I've looked up, and there's been times where the clouds cover the top. I can't possibly comprehend the bigness of this building. It amazes me that it's even possible. I know with all of the technological advancements, it still amazes me that we can build things this big. Not, not this big, but the big one. But here I hold a model in my hand. I can see all the windows, and I'm just going to guess they built this exactly to scale and perfectly like the other one. It looks similar. I hold this model in my hand, and I can perceive the bigness of this building. That I can't, when I'm up close to it, I can't possibly perceive. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We can't see God, but in Christ, we can know God. Because Christ came in the most humble form to redeem us those who were under the law, to free us from the law, which simply says to free us from striving on our own to make ourselves holy. Jesus was holy where we could not be. That's what he does for us. That's what he has done. And when we come to Christmas, we celebrate that God came to dwell with us so that Paul's prayer for us could be true, that we could comprehend the height and the depth the breadth and the length of God's love for us. I pray nothing more for you, friends, that you would understand and you would be able to comprehend that love. Because if you do, as we do, we are filled with the fullness of God. This big Jesus came low for you and for me. You know, the trouble with the world is sin. Every problem we have falls back to that ultimate problem in some form or fashion. If there's any challenge that you're facing, if there's any pain, if there's any grief in your heart today, is ultimately because this world is broken and it is not as it once was. And it is not as it will one day be. And Jesus is the one who came to fix the brokenness and to one day make all things new. He came to deal with us. He came low so that we could come to God, so we could comprehend his love. So as Matt leads us, we're gonna sing a familiar hymn, Silent Night, to close our time together.
I would just invite you, I'm gonna pray in just a moment, to consider the sovereign of the universe making himself nothing so that you might be able to comprehend who Jesus is. You might know the love of God. And my prayer is that this Christmas, you would celebrate Christmas in a different way than perhaps you ever have before because you know that you know that you know the height and the depth, the breadth and the length of God's love for you. A love that was proven for you when he came that very first Christmas. Lord Jesus, I do thank you that we can come together and we can pause to celebrate your incarnation. You who possessed all things, lacked nothing, were perfect in every way of your being because of your great love for us, humbled yourself to come and be like us, to be constrained by the flesh that I live in. God, constrained. You chose to do that so that I and every friend in this room might know how much you love us. I pray there's any soul in this room who's wondering, is it possible for me to approach God? Would you remind them and through our time together as we close even, Holy Spirit, convince them that you know it's not that they can approach you, but that you have come for them. Thank you for bringing us here together so we could remember your love. Let us go out from this place to bring your light into the darkness, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we hope to see you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.